Welcome to a podcast from Alive Church in Newark. We believe that the gospel changes lives, so we hope you're ready to hear from God, be challenged and inspired. Here's our speaker for today. series has been fantastic. I've loved it. Um, we've heard so far from Sam in our first week who shared with us on a life of freedom in the spirit. Mark shared with us on a life of contrast in the spirit. Ollie shared with us on a life of purpose in the spirit. And last week we had Howard with us who shared on a life of identity in the spirit. And this week I'm going to be sharing on a life of hope in the spirit. I particularly have loved this sermon series because um, when I think about the Holy Spirit, I tend to think about the Holy Spirit is something that falls during worship and people then start to maybe prophesy or um, there's some healing, some miracles, that kind of thing. And that's kind of how I pigeoned the Holy Spirit into this box. That, um, but there's so much more to the Holy Spirit. And when we fully understand this gift that's been given to us by Jesus to live inside of us, to guide us, to grow us, to direct us, that's when we can use it to its full capacity. So that's what I've really enjoyed about a life in the Spirit. I hope everyone else has been enjoying the series too. There's, there's still more to go and not at the end yet. Um, so we're definitely going to learn more. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to read again those verses because I think it's important that we hear them again. So Heavenly Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for this gift that you left for us. What a gift that we have um, the Holy Spirit living inside of us, that when we choose you as our Lord and Savior, that you come into our lives and you feed us and you change us and you direct us. Heavenly Father, this morning, would you just, would your spirit flow within us? Would you open up the... um, the ears of our hearts, um, that anything that is good that I share this morning would fall onto fertile soil and anything that is bad would just blow away in the wind. Thank you, God, for your presence. Amen. So I'm going to read our verses today because there's a few there. Um, so I think that it's good that we go through them again. If you have a Bible, you want to turn to Romans 8, 18 to 25. That's Romans 8, 18 to 25, and I'll read that for you. So it says... I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all who hopes for what they already have. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And as I share on hope, I thought it'd be really good to talk about the distinction between hope and faith. And I think in terms of our belief in God, they, they're very much linked. I don't think you can really have one without the other. But hope is Uh, So faith is believing God. So believing that God exists, believing that God is who he says he is. 
and faith, uh, sorry, and hope is expecting God. So faith is believing God, hope is expecting God. Hope is expecting that God will show up in your circumstances. Hope is expecting that we have this glory to come, this glory that's going to be revealed in us. So whereas hope teaches and directs us, hope stirs our minds that we might be strong, bold, courageous, and endure adversity, waiting for better. And the word for hope in Greek is elpis, and it's 35 times in the New Testament it's written. And it means an absolute feeling of certainty based upon an objective truth. An absolute feeling of certainty based upon an objective truth. R.T. Kendall, who's a Christian writer, speaker, and pastor, he said this about hope. Hope is a certain and confident expectation regarding the future, realizing that you will not be disappointed or put to shame, that God will show up and victory is at hand. So hope is not positive thinking. It's not optimism. It can't be manufactured or manipulated. It is a supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And I'm going to go through three points in this sermon, a classic three-point sermon. Um, And the first one is the security of hope. The second one is the seeds of hope. And the third one is the harvest of hope. And when I think about the security of hope um, and my life, there's two distinct times when I don't know what I would have done without the security of hope. And the first one was when I was 17 years old and uh, my mum was diagnosed with a rare and aggressive form of cancer and in my darkest times hope was my only comfort and when it felt like everything I knew and trusted was crashing down around me and that I didn't know if I could trust God anymore there's only one place that I could go to and that was God's presence And then the second time was about a year and a half ago when I was 25 and after years of struggles and beautiful memories and deep conversations and tears, my mum passed away. And one of my greatest hopes in life is that moment when I go into glory and I see her again and we get to hug and we get to be together again. And that's a hope. That's a hope that I have in the Lord's promises. And when we read in verse 18 that it says, I consider our present sufferings are not not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. What we go through is not even worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And I must have read that 30, 40 times over the last few weeks. And every time I read it, I'm just hit with a wave of love for the God who is so willing to take our shame and our brokenness and the difficulties of this life and give us glory beyond any of those things. What a beautiful promise. And I reckon I could just just preach on that one verse there (laughs) because there's so much in that. And then in uh, 2 Corinthians, this sort of sums up what I've been saying, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18, just sums up what I've been sharing about. So that's 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our lights and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but for what is unseen is eternal. 
the Bible is full of these promises that God is giving us, that what we live in now is temporary, but what is to come is eternal, and what is to come is far beyond what we could imagine. I have another quote here. This one's from Philip Hughes. He said, Christian suffering, however protracted it may be, is only for this present life, which, when compared with the everlasting ages of glory to which it is leading, is but a passing moment. Affliction for Jesus' sake, however crushing it may be, is in fact light, a weightless trifle when weighed against the mass of glory, which is the inheritance of the saints. So we have a hope in the spirit of Jesus. We have a hope, a supernatural Holy Spirit hope. And what are the seeds of this hope? What does it look like? What can we, what does this hope look like manifested in our life and how can we get that? So I'm going to move on to that now and I'm going to read again um, from our verses today. I'm going to read from 19 to 23 because this is where we, we get the information about the seeds of hope. And it says this, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly. Sorry, I've started too late there. I'm going to start from 19 and go to 23. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. And there's lots of symbolism and imagery used in these verses to try and, for uh, Paul to try and portray what he wants to get across to the church in Rome, because this is a letter that Paul's written to the church in Rome. And uh, one of those he uses is the groaning. He says that creation, so all of creation is groaning. They're in turmoil. So at the minute we're living in the in-between stages of the Garden of Eden, the original Genesis creation and heaven. And we're in between at the minute. And at this point, all of creation is groaning. And it says that that we're also groaning too. Those of us who have the first fruits of the spirit, we're groaning with creation, creating, if you might like, a symphony of groans. But the groaning is not a groaning of death. It's a groaning of birth. It's a groaning of expectation. It's a groaning of excitement. It's a groaning of something to come. It's not, it's not a sad groaning. It's an excited groaning. It's a yearning. It's a, I just can't wait for the sons of God to be revealed. And uh, the, the other imagery that Paul uses in there, he says that it, the groaning is in the pains of childbirth. Um, now, I've not given birth, but I've spoken to many women who have, and they said that it's, it's painful. It's really painful. However, that moment when you get handed your baby for the first time and you hold them and hug them for the first time, you forget about the pain. The pain is nothing anymore. And that's what we have to look forward to in heaven. That right now, we're in that little bit of pain. We've got pain, and at some times in our lives, the pain might be harder than others. But when we go into glory, and we hold our Heavenly Father for the first time, we won't even remember that pain. That pain will be totally eclipsed by the glory of God. It is nothing compared to what has come. 
Verse 19, Paul uses um, a, a, a phrase in there, two words. He uses eager expectation. But in the original Greek, this wasn't um, a word. He actually made it up. <laughs> he couldn't find a word that accurately described what he wanted to get across in his letter. So he made a word up. Brilliant. Um, and this word in Greek is apokaradokia. It's three words in one. It's also used in Philippians 1.20, another letter that Paul writes. And it's when Paul is imprisoned in Rome, he also uses this phrase, eager expectation. He's waiting in eager expectation to be, for the glory that's to come. Not necessarily to be freed from the prison, but he's looking even further ahead of that. He's looking forward to the glory, um, the eager expectation of the glory to come when he's in heaven. And so apokaradokia, like I said, it's three words in one. And apo means to turn away with conviction, ignoring other interests. Kara means head and dokia means stretch forward. So apo, to turn away with concentration, ignoring other interests. Kara means head and dokia means stretch forward. So sort of to paraphrase Paul, I guess, in Romans 8, Using this new understanding we have of that phrase, eager expectation, what he's saying is creation is turning away from the current situation with concentration, ignoring the brokenness of this life and is stretched forward with the uh, waiting for that day when the sons of God will be revealed and all of creation will be liberated from decay and death and brought into freedom. And again, there's a, a wonderful passage in Philippians, it just sums this up. Philippians 3, 20 to 21. I need a bigger one of these <laughs> for all my notes. Philippians 3, 20 to 21. It says this, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. And you can keep looking and you will find more promises in this Bible that say that more and more promises that tell you what is to come, the glory that is for us as sons of God. And uh, verse 23 was one that I skimmed over a few times and didn't think much about. And I went back to it. I'm going to read it again. I know I keep reading, but I just think it's important that... Um, that you know what I'm talking about. And it says, verse 23 from Romans 8 says, Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. And I, and I, like I say, I scanned over that a few times and, and didn't take much from it. And then I realized the word first fruits. So it says in there that we have the first fruits of the spirit. Those who believe in God have the first fruits of the spirits. So what he's telling us is that there is a feast to follow. What we have now is just a small portion of the Holy Spirit. And we've done a whole study so far. I mean, we could do more. I reckon we could just never teach on anything else, but there's other great things to teach on too. So we can't do that. But there's so much that we have, we can have in the Holy Spirit now. But what we're told that what we have now is just the first fruits of what we'll be when we're in heaven. And Ollie and I have recently developed green fingers. We started a little vegetable patch in our garden. And uh, we got a bit excited. We we're like, yeah, we can do this. Put the seeds in, blah, blah, blah. And then Ollie went, when will they be ready? And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, let me read the packet. Oh, goodness. Wow, okay. That, 
it's like four months. <laughs> that's a long way. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. We can do this. So we made this veg patch and um, and and we sowed the seeds. And in the in between stage of sowing the seeds and being able to eat a meal, hopefully, of um, of the food that comes from our garden, we'll invite you all around. We'll have a feast of uh, like one slice of carrot each or something. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so we we put the seeds in and we're waiting. We're in the in between stage before they're ready. But at the in the in between stage, we can't just sow the seeds and walk away and let it do its thing, which I think we kind of thought you could. Um, so you still got to cultivate the soil. You still got to make sure it's getting enough water, enough sunlight. And I think the hardest thing at the minute is trying to pull out the weeds and not the, not the vegetables because we've never done it before we don't know which ones are the vegetables and which ones are the weeds so this is a great learning curve for us um so we've, we've been enjoying the gardening but it, it just made me think you know like I said before we're in between the genesis garden creation and heaven and at the minute we're in that veg patch stage where we still got to cultivate the soil we still got to water it we still got to pull out the weeds so that the proper vegetables can grow healthy and strong and in the bible god's referred to as a gardener who comes and prunes and cuts off the branches that aren't bearing fruit and this is what god's doing in us he's we need to ask the holy spirit to cultivate our soil to point out the weeds in our life that we need to pull out and that's in there before we can have our feast which is to come Another example of this is probably one of my favorite stories about Ollie. I just love this story. So uh, we, a couple of years ago now, uh, myself, Ollie and my parents, we were at the Lincoln Christmas Market and we got a bit cold and a bit overwhelmed by the crowds. I said, let's go and get a, a, a drink and a slice of cake somewhere. So we went into uh, the Bishop's Palace, the old Bishop's Palace, and they've got a really nice tea room in there. It's lovely. Um, so we ordered a cake each and we got hot drinks and they gave us the cake straight away, but they were going to come later with the hot drinks. And so we went and sat at the table and we said, oh, let's, let's all cut our cakes into four pieces and let's try each other's obviously at this point ollie was sweating because you know sharing food he's working on it he's much better than he was Whew, but that was he was like mm, yeah you can all try this cake i chose for myself um <laughs> and so the drinks hadn't come yet and i turned away for one second i looked back again and two slices of ollie's cake have gone just disappeared and he's just sat there like i don't know where they went i don't know chocolate around his mouth you know <laughs> and uh, my dad proceeded to tell Ollie about the importance of delayed gratification and how the cake would have tasted so much better with his hot coffee or his hot tea and that Ollie just couldn't wait the cake was in front of him and he wanted it now he didn't want to have to wait for his hot drink even though it probably would have been better uh, he just wanted to eat everything now and this is where we are we're in that stage we want it now we groan for it creation groans for it Creation wants its cake and its coffee, and they want to eat it and drink it too. But we're not there yet, but we will be one day. We will be one day. Isn't that brilliant? So, so far, we've talked about this hope that we have to come, the glory that we can hope in and trust in, in God. We've talked about what this looks like, the promises of God, the the fruits that are to come, but we've talked about the in-between stage, the pruning, the gardening, the pulling out the weeds. You're probably thinking, this is fantastic, Olivia, but how do I turn my head away like Apocaridokia, turn my eyes towards God, focus on God and ignore the pain of my life and run wholeheartedly after him. That's brilliant, but sometimes it's hard. And so I've made a couple of practical points that might help us because I'm a practical kind of person. 
And I know that there's many people in this room who are going through hardships. Um, I know a lot of stories of you and, and I'm aware of the pain that you feel. And I want you to know that what I'm not saying is that it's easy. I'm not saying that what you're going through now doesn't matter. So please don't hear that. Please don't hear that I'm saying that I don't, you know, just you need to forget about everything and just focus on God because we're human, we're fallen, we're selfish by nature, but we also, what we're going through is really hard. And so it's not easy to do this. So I don't want you to hear that I'm saying everyone just needs to pull their socks up and get on with life. Life is still hard, and that's why we need God and we need the Holy Spirit. So what does it actually look like? This is the harvest of hope, the harvest of our hope. What does it actually look like to look past the pain and brokenness of now and see the glory to come? What does that look like? Well, first of all, like I've just said, we acknowledge our pain. John Piper, who's an author and pastor, he wrote this, Occasionally weep deeply over the life you hoped would be. Grieve the losses, then wash your face, trust God, and embrace the life you have. Acknowledge your pain, but don't get stuck in it. There's more to come. You're living a life now. Don't miss the joys of the life that you're living because you're so focused on the pain. Ask the Spirit for perspective. Ask the Spirit for His perspective. Verse 28 um, from Romans 8. To switch back to this one again. <laughs> Romans 8:28 says this. If I can find it. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So we can fix on that perspective, the perspective of God that is. Although our goodness may not come now, our goodness will come in heaven. So we can ask the Spirit for perspective. And the second point is that we still pray. Just because we live in a broken world, just because we're told that there's going to be pain in life, it doesn't mean that we are resigned to that fact and we accept it. We can still pray to God. We can still call out to God in our brokenness, in our difficult places, and we can still expect God to come and to heal us and to uh, have miracles in our lives. We don't, just because it's a fact of life that it's hard at times and that we live in a broken world. We don't ignore the fact that our God is a supernatural God, that our God can take our pain and brokenness and perform incredible miracles. So we can ask the Spirit for supernatural peace. That means we can live in the midst of a storm and still know peace. And Romans fifteen thirteen says this, and this is my prayer that I want to speak over you. Romans 15, 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we can ask the Spirit for perspective, and we can ask the Spirit for peace. And the third point is that we can still have passion to be used by God in our hardest times. Verse 23 from what we've been looking at today, Romans 8:23 says, Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first roots of God grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. 
we can still have passion. We can still have passion to wait eagerly. Apocaridoki, we can turn away from our afflictions. We can fix our eyes on God and look forward to our coming glory through him. And we can ask God to use our pain, to use the places we've been to, to help other people, to guide other people. I know that when I lost my mum, there were people that who had been through similar situations who shared with me, and that was so helpful. And you know, you think at the time... Um, when you're going through something painful, it's quite hard to look past yourself because you need to look after yourself a lot and you're going through a lot of turmoil, which is hard and difficult. But in the years to come, you can say, God, use my experience of brokenness, use my experience of grief and, and, and utter devastation. Make it good. Make something good come of this. God, please use me so that I can comfort others in their pain and in their grief. So we can ask God for perspective, we can ask God for peace, and we can ask God for passion. And my fourth point is, we wait patiently with perseverance. Verse 25, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We trust God's timing, and in the waiting, we cultivate a greater desire for him. In our in-between stages, in our not the Garden of Eden and not yet heaven. In our in-between stages, we move from glory to glory and we ask God to cultivate his spirit within us, that we could become more like him and that we can um, show others the love of God and tell others about the hope that we all have through God's promises and through the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I would like the worship team to come up and um, we're going to give some time to pray over people, pray over people. So our ministry team are also going to come up and um, they're going to stand over just over this side of our ministry team could just come over here. And I'm going to ask that this morning... If you are in a situation where you need hope, where you need a supernatural dose of hope from the Holy Spirit, that you would come forward and be prayed for. This is important. We have been praying for this um, all this week. We had the, the prayer team have been praying for it from yesterday over. We've been praying over everybody here, asking that God would open hearts, that God would come and pour out his supernatural spirit of hope in people. So I'm going to ask that if you need a touch of heaven, if you need hope, if you need perspective, peace, passion, patience, or perseverance, that you would come forward and we will pray for you. And the worship team are going to sing and they're going to minister and they're going to worship over you. And we're going to all pray together for you that you would have a dose of hope. So if our ministry team could come stand here and as the worship team play and sing, if you need hope, don't be afraid. Come forward, come and get prayer because this is we can have this. This is true. We can have hope from the Holy Spirit that can change us. Don't be afraid to come forward. Come and ask for some prayer and we're going to pray for you. And I can say the worship team are going to sing over you. They're going to sing that you would have no fear, that you would stand in God's presence and you would know his love. And we're going to give a bit of time for this. We're going to give a space for this. And then I'm going to come back up and I'm going to go through the salvation prayer as well for anybody here who has not yet met Jesus, the Lord and Saviour. So if you need hope, come forward. We want to... That's all from us today. Thanks for listening. We pray you have a great day.